venture capital in India saw its rise and evolution through the last decade. And what better than an investor's mind to understand what really happened in the startup ecosystem in the past 10 years in India. It's exactly this sentiment that we captured through my conversation with Shashank. Well, Shashank Randeev is the founder of 100x VC, a very well-renowned VC firm based out of India, investing in early-stage startups. Shashank has had a knack for understanding and backing startup founders. Well, that's one thing that we dug much deeper into through our conversation. What does it take for an investor to invest in a startup? Which are the ideas that are that are palpable right at the pitch stage? And what really goes in the mind of an investor through the journey of backing of a startup and a founder? A lot of that and more on Shashank's journey through this episode of Design Thing. Shashank, uh, thank you so much for being a part of Design Grid. I think it's uh, great to have someone like you with a very, very different perspective on uh, what product and startups mean to us. Now, thanks, Saksham, for inviting me. And it's an absolute pleasure being here. Um, always love the great work being done by uh, folks like yourselves. Uh, I think 2020 is a great year to be bringing all forces together. And uh, thanks again for inviting me uh, and hosting me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Shashank, uh, I'm going to go back in time and, and that's how we'd possibly begin our conversation a little bit, right? Uh, you are a pedigree of an engineer turned MBA, uh, which is a very classic case uh, for an Indian education system, right? Sure. Uh, was it very organic? Uh, and and how, did the, how did the choices really follow for you? Sure. Um, I don't know. I should be spilling all the beans and secret sauce over here. But I think Go it was a very non-linear growth for me. Uh, very non-linear path. I, I had no idea what I'll be doing in my life in the fourth year of engineering. Um, wasn't a very outstanding student to begin with. Uh, I can now proudly say it, but you know, back then I would have shied away. But you know, post engineering, I did not land up in a uh, quote-unquote electronics and telecommunication uh, profile, Correct. Uh, which is which is what I did in engineering. Um, I moved to Bombay. I did a, I did my engineering from a very small town called Nagpur University, town called Nagpur and University being Nagpur University, and uh, moved to Bombay. Had a very uh, odd job in the beginning was working for a Gujarati uh, listed entity which was manufacturing polyfilms and uh, my only job was to go to the port and check containers if the polyfilms were smelling or not um, and then taking care of some noises. I moved on to Pune. I joined an IT company called Zensar Technologies uh, literally because I got bored of the first job. Right. Uh, learned a lot at the second job uh, and that kind of pushed me in terms of understanding, should I should I do an MBA? Uh, I need to rise up the value chain in a corporate. And that led me to prepare for my MBA. Uh, I didn't get through uh, a few universities. I intended to go to US. Didn't happen. Uh, I came back to Delhi where my parents stay. Ended up joining NIIT Limited uh, with, again, the uh, objective of joining an MBA program because I still felt that that really made a lot of difference. Uh, so after having worked in NIIT uh, for a year and a half, which was, uh, I was I was in the learning management solutions division. My MBA then eventually got through MBA. So I left NIIT, went to IMI New Delhi, 
uh, with the objective of coming back again either to a NIIT or maybe on a, any other uh, corporate job, so to speak. Uh, so, so back back then, the the purpose of MBA in your mind was more from just a, to rise up the hierarchy, you know, in corporate, and yeah. that's what the mindset was. Absolutely, absolutely, and um, and. So me joining the MBA program was more obviously to learn what's happening uh, in terms of uh, you know business courses. A, I never came from an accounting background or a, or, a, or a commerce background as an engineering student. So once MBA happened, uh, um, uh, I actually had the opportunity of going back to the companies, but uh, through, within my network, I got this opportunity of uh, you know speaking with the founder of VC Circle. Right. Uh, which happened to be headquartered in Noida, right. uh, New Delhi. And that's when I ended up meeting the founder and, you know, things happened and I became the early founding member for the uh, company VC Circle uh, and was spearheading their research division called VCCH, which was a SaaS platform for right. private equity funds and venture capital funds, uh, which took me to Bombay. So my 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 core uh, goal and objective was to set up operations in Bombay and, you know, right launch and and push the product in the market so i moved to bombay in 2009 and and since then i think it's been it's been a very non uh, linear path because you know i did not anticipate that i'll join uh, a startup as a founding member and way back in 2009 it was not so cool to join an M, uh, a startup right after your mba yeah and the world economy wasn't at its best either not at the best yeah not at the best at all uh, and it was quite a learning curve. I, and I think it was the best decision I took. Uh, it eventually boiled down to, you know, uh, uh, how, how risk averse you are and what, what kind of leap steps uh, would you be taking in. Um, move to Bomb. Were there, I, I'm just going to dive in a little because you said how risk averse you are. Uh, uh, joining a startup right after an MBA, of course, massive challenge. Uh, Coming from uh, you know uh, a very Indian socially dominated education system, uh, was it were there kind of learnings that uh, you extracted or pushed you uh, towards understanding a lot more about yourself? So, a, I'm not a risk averse person to be very candid, um, I, because you know I, I jumped a lot of uh, uh, you know ecosystems per se or you know or career paths per se. So I wasn't scared to move from uh, uh, from an MBA to a startup because you know I I eventually moved to a yeah. non engineering slash marketing role post engineering right. so it was right. all mixed up for me. Right. Uh, so I that was not an inhibition. What I was trying to say was, in terms of inhibitions of aspirants joining an MBA program, right. and they joining a startup right after MBA because you know. Their loan obligations, people want to get high paying jobs, rise up the hierarchy. The mindset was still not there. Today, we see a lot of these uh, entrepreneurs fresh out of MBA colleges attempting to begin their startups, maybe sometimes even in their second year. That was not the case in 2009. Absolutely. Uh, and for me, the motivation to uh, join the startup was, you know, I, I realized if it doesn't work, I'll always come back to Delhi. But that gave me a chance to go back to Bombay, which is where heart lies. Right. Uh, so, so that gave me an opportunity to move back to Bombay, uh, where I did my first job, and then I think we we saw phenomenal growth uh, in terms of uh, how the product evolved, how the industry was evolving uh, from 2009 to 2015. We saw 
multiple private equity funds come into India. We saw multiple venture capital industries come into India. Sorry, funds come into India, and then the whole uh, the whole industry of secondary research, the databases, right? Uh, primary and secondary research evolving. The need for such a product, um, and we were apparently the. I think the only. Uh, I think there were two players. One was venture right. intelligence, which yeah. was. Uh, a formidable uh, competition and then we'd come into the picture. So there was a first mover's advantage, uh, so to speak, plus the opportunity of seeing startups being funded, mid-sized companies being funded. And that was, and then, a, that was a time when, when 2013, 14, when, when, when the startup boom in India had just hit in. Yes. So from a startup perspective, the seed and the pre-series A startup boom had just kicked in. Um, so, so a lot of venture capital activity happening, a lot of private equity funds happening. Uh, eventually, we we scaled to a point where uh, we got acquired within the first, uh, you know, after nine years. Of, was, it, was it just the product that got acquired or the entire organization? The entire organization. We became, we became the market leader, so to speak, in terms of the media, uh, the news uh, articles which were coming out uh, for the venture capital and private equity industry. Uh, there were times where we were able to track information much before economic times or live mint uh, right. were able to do it. So uh, in those years, VC Circle was quite uh, a place to be at for tracking your private equity transactions. Uh, so the entire company got acquired. It had four divisions. One was the content. The other was the research division. Third was the uh, training business. And fourth was the uh, events business. And we were quite... Uh, uh, now you see many events, but both back then in 2013, mm-hmm. 14, uh, 2009, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. It was lean. It was massively lean. It was lean and there weren't any uh, quality-driven, focused, private equity-based, sector-focused events happening. For instance, healthcare, regulatory, uh, slash private equity investments forum. Right. Very, very niche, very, very focused Right. Uh, ha- having a, uh, you know perspectives from managing director of healthcare focused funds, right? Sure. Who run billion dollar funds, and that was very unique at that point of time. Uh, do you think? Do you, think you, you um, do you consider yourself as somebody? And and considering you're a founding member of uh, of the product and the team, uh, do you consider yourself to be from a product background or, or a technical background or not? I think you know, both somewhere midway. Not too technical because you know uh, I didn't I didn't pursue my uh, technical skills uh, or develop them post engineering. But I think a product management slash product development, uh, business development. I think that's where uh, I I can fit in if I had to describe. Uh, we had great uh, you know data scientists and you know programmers. Uh, in our team who are building out the platform. So obviously that is, that is a piece which I do never did and I, uh, still not doing. Right. Um, so that's how I'll pace myself. But in terms of product designing, product utility, uh, you know, UI, UX, that's something which we spent a lot of time. Um, and and, and you, were, you were personally involved in, in shaping the product up from a business oh, yes. model standpoint? Oh, yes, yes. So in terms of product iterations, the right. requirements launching the beta version, eventually launching it with the feedback, how quickly can you roll out the features, uh, all those played major, major important role. Uh, and I think what the, the speed at which we moved um, and implemented those changes, I think, uh, made all the difference for us to eventually get acquired by News Corporation. Was, was that ever the intent? Not the intent. Uh, never the intent, uh, but it was a great opportunity right. uh, for a media company. And 
usually media companies had a tough time scaling up as standalone businesses nice. uh, at least in those years so i think it was a great opportunity to be acquired by a large mnc nice. uh, for 500 company owning wall street journal owning uh, dow jones so i think it was a fantastic uh, journey and fantastic exit uh, since then i've been uh, part of the ecosystem was uh, joined an early stage fund based out of san jose did 16 odd investments on their behalf Wow. um I moved out in 2018 did a bunch of angel investments and uh, now what uh, 100x start what was the deflection point that made you realize that uh, from being a part of uh, or, or or a part of a startup from a leadership team standpoint you're going to move on to the investment side i'd seen so many investments happening right for 7 years you were building out a product where you were tracking uh, private equity and venture capital funds with the number of investments they've done the kind of investments they've done the financials for those respective companies uh the subsequent funding rounds for those companies so over the last over those 7 years you know we we saw flipkart from seed yeah. all the way to series f right? right and and obviously and on a lot of interaction a lot of healthy interaction with private equity funds and venture capital industry eventually you know becoming very close friends with most of them uh only only uh you know pushed me to kind of understand i can can if, if given an opportunity can we start looking at investments that was first second obviously was the missing piece that as i mentioned in 2008 and 2009 there was an advent of private equity funds which is way up in the value chain absolutely and then came in your uh, venture capital fund which had a slightly smaller check size but there was a huge huge gap in terms of your seed capital which is completely missing in in the indian ecosystem right um, and you know incubation centers and accelerators were a far cry you had to google to understand the meaning of these uh, words uh, and we're talking 2014 16 phase correct correct 2014 2015 and that's when i think the whole ecosystem was gearing up for a lot of seed funds to come in um, i personally in my own network uh, my my previous clients at vcch who were private equity uh, fund managers slash you know, managing directors were leaving those private equity funds and setting up their smaller funds of 500 cr to 1000 cr only focused on let's say you know uh, growth stage venture capital companies or pre seed so, so risk appetite existed uh, entrepreneurial network and ecosystem was evolving I, i think that was the right time to to enter Absolutely. that Absolutely. in hindsight now you can look yeah. at that but back yeah. then you couldn't make sense you, you knew you knew that there was a gap yeah. and i think that's uh, that's when it i think that's when i decided that you know a based on my background would be you know again not not risk averse so sure. i didn't i didn't care which opportunity lies i think the next big thing or next good thing would be understanding investments yeah. so got an opportunity started doing that uh, and that was one of the inflection points uh, but the lucky point was that i happened to get that opportunity so that's yeah. that's also very important right. absolutely and when i when i did get that it was again a great uh, way to learn spent two years doing that uh then started deploying uh personal capital in uh, companies and then eventually 100x.vc happened where i i partnered with uh, sanjay mehta nenad yagnesh and what's a lot fifth and youngest partner uh where we all brought in our individual strengths and we realized that there's an opportunity uh, right. at the seed stage and hence we we launched 100x.vc last year in 2019 right and and you finished two successful cohorts so far Yeah so i mean it's a it's a typical venture capital fund where uh, we invest in companies um, but because we are on the 
uh, our aim is to invest in 100 companies a year. And that's how we started in uh, July 2019. So we deployed in 20 companies uh, in September uh, to October of 2019. Uh, and then obviously, once we've deployed the capital, we start working with the companies more like a portfolio management and then try and figure out how we can present them to other set of investors or, as I said, uh, growth stage investors or you know seasoned uh, uh, H&I, so on and so forth. So we do this through a VC pitch day. So we did that in December. This is pre-COVID. Um, so we saw participation of 300-odd investors in IIT Bombay. And the next objective was to invest in the next set of 20 companies, but then COVID happened. And our yeah. core objective is not to do an end number of companies, despite our vision is 100 companies a year. Also, right. it's very critical how these early stage companies are uh, you know, increasing... Uh, their progress over the next three to six months uh, right. in terms of their growth in metrics. So the core objective is, can you reduce the failure rate? Hence, it becomes more... Nurturing them, backing them up more closely, rather. Absolutely. So so hence, we do it in cohort slash batches or yeah. classes, as we call them. Yeah. And, uh, uh, and, and because it's... We do this only because we're doing a large set of investments. So we did nine investments in our class 02, which was very different from class 01, which was 20. Uh, and we're just in the process of closing class 03, which you see another 10 to 15 odd companies. Uh, core, ob core objective being, can we invest in companies uh, where we can add value in the short term? Uh, three to six months, eventually helping them raise a larger round. Um, it's 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 an acceleration model disguised and in the form of a VC because the money is coming in right at the outset. Right at the outset, yeah. So so uh, it is a VC. Uh, we are a semi-registered yeah. category one fund, uh, but the only difference is we are a VC which is decided to do not ten investments a year, but you know hundred investments and smaller ticket size. Yeah, these are very small checks, but they're spread across multiple companies, Perfect. so that we are able to give a larger deal flow to, let's say, the angel networks, yeah. to other uh, funds. And we've seen Sequoias and other prominent VC funds participate in our yeah. portfolio companies and invest in them. So yeah. hence, this becomes more like a discovery platform. If sure. I have to give you a comparison, it's more like the Y Combinator model, which we're trying to build out for India. Again, right. which has been the missing opportunity. It is, it is. I was just going to come to that, and it is. And and in fact, that brings me to one of my next questions. And, and perhaps here your investor or, or investment cap comes in, right? Sure. Uh, very, very cliche, but uh, but massively missing in terms of ideology and understanding in India. How do you look at uh, investment or a product market fit when a startup comes to you? So that's a good question. And, and uh, has... Okay. So India, as I said, you know, is now... And this is my perspective yeah. going through the next phase of evolution from a venture capital and startup ecosystem perspective. I think the first wave happened from 2006 to 2014, where we saw the advent of private equity funds and growth stage companies, uh, small companies mushrooming. This is the second wave where enterprises have now become uh, comfortable, uh, not fully, but somewhat comfortable working with startups. That was never the case. Right. So uh, from a product market fit, I think, you know, uh, if I had to define how product market fit should be looked upon in today's market is whenever the startup is launching a product, 
uh one is obviously rolling out a beta version and if you if you are happen to be a b2b company if right. you can then position that in a paid poc opportunities with at least five customers right large enterprises or mid enterprises uh that somewhat becomes a decent validation of a product market fit again it's very case to case depending on what product or solution you're giving out if it's a b2c there'll be an x number of users you'll require to validate it's largely largely driven by the founder and it always stems or is a function of where they see this product in 10 years where they see the market uh, the total addressable market or serviceable opportunity in the next 10 years yeah. Uh, but yeah but i think a product market fit for any company would be uh having launched the product tested out with a you know a few paid customers and ready to identify or having a pipeline of the next set of 10 or 20 or uh paying customers i'm i'm giving you a reference of b2b yeah yeah absolutely so uh you know shyam and and india is a very competitive market and we've established that sure uh on one side you have 80 to 90% of the startups that get funded because perhaps they have a product market fit or something that's going in their direction for scale because india is a a, a big diverse country where you can literally target very different sects of people Sure. on the other side you have very niche startups say like a mintra or a cred that massively focus on the product itself sure. right the experience that a customer receives uh, do you think the disparity is massive and is there is there a, a time that we'll see more customer experience centric startups getting uh, the right kind of limelight i think that that whole concept is changing a lot now sure. uh, even in the b2b space you know uh, we're seeing products and uh, you know uh driving the path uh, in terms of uh, users uh not being very clear on what they want but once they experience a good product they are able to kind of identify uh and this is way ba- this is way different from what it used to be and still emerging so for instance as an example uh, and i'll share this uh ours was a b2b saas company in 2009 when we launched it and sometime in 2012 we reached a plateau in terms of you know penetrating a typical venture capital account and getting more users to use our account and hence increase our revenue um, we did we did an outbound research an outbound survey and spoke with the users which in this case were venture capital analysts and they said you know there are certain iterations we want on the product uh, could you help us with that and we we realized you know what else could you want you know the data is there everything is there uh, i mean i i we, we didn't understand it so we we spoke with the vp and he said i'm the one who cuts the check for the platform uh, you need to actually speak with the user because the user is an analyst who's getting the me the data and i'm i'm reviewing the data so we actually went down and spoke with the analyst and analyst said my my 8 hours is spent you know culling out information uh, i'm not checking the authenticity because i'm assuming you guys have the right data can you add a small feature on an excel tab which will help me add in column and help it download in a particular format that's it and yeah. it was a very absurd request um uh, and we said fine you know let us rework on that we did that and within a year we saw the number of users per private equity funds and uh venture capital funds increase because the usage the product was tweaked so the user experience changed the information was there but the user had a block in terms of extracting the information Yeah. we didn't perceive the product the way a user should have or is currently looking at so so from a from a product mindset i think there are great products being built out sure 
and you think it's evolving it's evolving it's it's evolving massively and i think uh, what what will continue to happen is that users in india and it's going to be we're going to see massive massive uh, uh, changes and expectations and uh, and requests coming in our way uh, because for the first time now you'll be catering to an audience which is going to be based in tier 2 and tier 3 for the first time they have access to data they are using products like never before you've got a gentry of audience and customers who've been who've been deprived of information and suddenly for the first time are experiencing great products right so a, a, a very different set of groups which you which you know entrepreneurs will be encountering so it's a great time for the indian ecosystem from a product enhancement and product development perspective um, products are going to be very very essential in terms of their ui ux whether it's a b2c usage you mentioned mintra right uh, look at the specifically mentioned both of these cuz cuz they focus on their experience sure so uh, so uh, even any company for that matter for instance today um, during covid uh, you know e-commerce as an example and hypothetical general example uh, has potential to grow in tier 2 and tier 3 uh, markets as well you know there are smaller requirements uh, while the kirana stores are doing well uh, some of them did come across uh, have uh, malls in the cities but the the retail channel has taken a massive hit and yeah. during these times i think i read it somewhere last week that in the last eight months india has seen the largest or the highest number of mobile phone purchases by e-commerce platforms right and if you break down those numbers a majority of them are from tier 2 and tier 3 cities so there therein lies the opportunity right for the first time tier 3 and tier 2 um customers are buying now these customers are very finicky very fidgety first time coming on board right so they they're not able to differentiate between flipkarts or or the amazon right they're really boiling down to user experience they order something they get it uh, they're exploring right if you're able to get these customers and somehow and i'm saying uh, and i'm not saying that it happens all the time but you can't always get a loyal customer but if their first experience is good yeah. they're likely to stick around because they are in the exploratory mode right. unlike tier one customers i know what amazon does for me and i will only shop at amazon i'm an educated i'm an experienced product uh, person because i've experienced these services and products of last 5 6 years right. so the tier 2 folks they're experiencing for the first time they want to experience more so that window is so short and the opportunity is so big that your user the product will have to evolve itself it has evolve to and it has the first the first go has to be good right Correct. because the attention spans are uh, small so it possibly also uh, boils down to how much weightage uh, do investors place on on product design uh, because uh, because a lot of times there are multiple parameters and product design takes a beating in some cases is that changing as well because that will push the change massively so see investors are typically interested in uh, the return which they can bring on to the table after let's say 5 or 6 years yeah from from the day when they've invested in and now if if they start breaking it down or do a reverse engineering what would that how will that end result be achieved uh, by tracking the month on month growth or the annual recurring revenue which is taking place for a, a given company where the investment has gone yeah sure from there on if the numbers are not meeting which will eventually give them the return what could be the reasons 
you're selling a B2C or B2B product. Okay, let's try and figure out what are you trying to sell? Are you selling it to the wrong gentry? Are you selling it to the wrong base? Right. Uh, if not, you had be, you had a strong base, but you're losing out. What could that be? Uh, is that a function of bad user experience, bad product? So it, practically speaking, it comes much lower because uh, it will be always a function, a sub-function of... Um, you have to explore further. You have to explore. So, so it doesn't naturally come in terms of product right. design. Right. It's important, but really depends on space to space, you know? Uh, category to category. If yeah. let's say let's say a product design in a CPG product, well, let's say I'm uh, yeah. I've just invested in a chocolate brand. Correct. As an example, um, the two things which are important to me: one is uh, the taste of the chocolate, and b how does it look before I open the bottle. So there, yeah. a product design will play a major role. For a B two B SaaS company, uh, there'll be different uh, uh, stages where product design will come into picture. Yeah. But if you if you ask me for my opinion over the last few years, how investors should be looking at it and have looked at it is that I think it's something we can't ignore. Eventually, everything boils down to that because um, you know the product experience needs to be good in in whichever setting it is. Sure. Is there um, has there been any in your experience uh, any startup or a pitch uh, that you think stood out or you invested in uh, because the product was a winner? In many cases, uh, in many, many cases, uh, we've, in fact, 100X has backed companies where uh, the team was good uh, and the product was good and there was zero revenues because that, that's too, that combination of a good team and a good product was just lethal in our minds. Sure. Uh, and, uh, and we went ahead and invested. So I think uh, you know, we, a lot of investors do look at that. I think in today's time, products are becoming important. Uh, Unfortunately, we haven't reached the Silicon Valley level where we are investing actively uh, in hardware-based, let's say, uh, applications or companies. But I think uh, one thing is very clear in in, uh, the investors' mindset, uh, the institutional ones in India, is that uh, we're not particularly excited about services business. So everything has to be a product-oriented, right? And it has to be a product-based company. And that, I think, is a very good beginning point for the venture capital industry in India. Uh, uh, at least the ones I am aware of uh, typically do not uh, invest in services businesses. And hence, if you're looking at a product business, then as a function of that, you will eventually, if not at the beginning or maybe at the later stage, eventually hit upon product development discussions and where it's uh, the granularity of that. Yeah. So I think that that is a great uh, space to be in currently and 2020 I think is is a year where all these things are coming together yeah uh, I, I'm excited about how the whole ecosystem is going to develop over the next 10 years has there ever have you ever ever experienced competitiveness amongst investments uh, for a great uh, startup idea or a product uh, multiple, multiple investors and, and and what happens uh, uh, for in an investor's mind on the other side of the table see from a startup standpoint you may have options, right? How does the how does the competitiveness play out, and what stands out over that's, there? That's 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 been the case. I think, unfortunately, in India, and this is why uh, you know we've got a lot to learn from managing investments, uh, identifying opportunities uh, from uh, Silicon Valley. You know how they be doing over there in a typical Y Combinator format, right? Uh, startups are not pitching hard to investors. 
you know, they have a round table where investors are walking from table to table, pitching themselves to entrepreneurs. <laughs> right? Amazing. Right? Yeah, yeah, sure. That's I'm the mindset, good. right? Yeah. In India, it's the real other way around, right? Uh, you're an investor, you're God. It shouldn't be the way, right? Yeah. Entrepreneurs are the most important element. And I think, uh, and I think that that is changing. And I think that's, once that starts happening where startups uh, yeah, and investors start respecting each other, uh, you know, and they have the mutual respect for each other rather than uh, one of them looking up to the other one is it, not a balanced equation. Right. So, so the, the Y Combinator format where investors are going from table to table, pitching themselves, helping them, it's like a reverse pitch uh, after they've done the entire uh, pitching around the is is a great indicator that it's it's a symbiotic relationship, right? We are making the greatest products. There is a huge opportunity, and investors uh, also need to kind of understand that there's there's their check is not the only one. So the, the entrepreneurs also have the right to choose which kind of investor they want to, and right. that is where lies the competition, and which is emerging and it's healthy. It's good for the ecosystem. There are multiple investors now. There's enough capital and there are fewer deals to go by. Right? A fewer great opportunities, at least in our mindset. You know, Some of them could be anti-portfolios at some point in time. You, th- you thought one day that those companies might not do well, but they eventually end up doing. Yeah. Uh, so those will always be there. But I think, uh, I think right now in India, we're still at an early stage where you know, all co-investors, all, all venture capital funds still are working hand in hand. We haven't reached that core cutthroat competition where everybody's cutting themselves right now. I don't think so. Uh, we've reached that point. So it's still a very um, network-driven uh, investment ecosystem. Correct. Uh, there are a lot of funds who recommend deals to us if they're early for them. And, and uh, you do that irrespective of, uh, say, class in action? Sorry? You do that irrespective of whether you're actively looking at a certain class, like like you said, class two and class three. So if some of the deals come in between, uh, you would still go ahead and look at them? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of investors uh, share. Uh, they, so some deals can be uh, early for a pre-series A or a series A. Sure. Right. Yeah, we always receive, uh, you know, deals, early stage deals uh, from, you know, uh, Know, growth stage venture capital funds uh, telling us, you know, hey, you know, Shashankan team, uh, this is quite early for us. You guys might be interested in it. So many times we receive deals where which are already funded and are pre-series A, series A. And we suggested to some of the VCs in our network. Who draws these boundaries and definitions? Draws? I mean, who, I who uh, at the end of the day, as a startup pitching, you'd obviously want to garner a higher sum of investment uh, for the product, right? Uh, where does the boundary come in for a, a, a pre-series A to a seed, and is should we is there an industry benchmark to it? No. So how it's being defined is pre-series A is something which means that you've already raised a check around yeah. either through angels right. or a seed. Hundred uh, right. X is a fund which is the first institutional check uh, in our portfolio company. So we we are the first money into the company. Uh, the next stage is pre-series A, which would be a bunch of angels or or small uh, institutional fund, uh, and then comes Series A, which is a larger ticket size. Uh, so bench, there is no benchmark. But I mean, these are terminologies. But if you look at the stages, uh, then a you know Series I A fund they, they differ from each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So by the Series A would be you know a typical Axel or a Sequoia looking at companies, and they are typically coming in and looking at companies when the companies have raised an 
you know, uh, they, they've reached a recurring revenue as a, as a metric, so to speak, or a month-to-month growth has been significantly increasing over the last few months. Sure. Uh, and, and that can, and that sometimes happens to be a function of, you know, some seed capital being in the system for the company, for the founders to kind of, you know, burn and, and keep push out uh, right. to the market. Right. So, so those, those kind of transactions happen at series A. So, uh, very, very clear in, in from an investor perspective, very clear in terms of where a company will fit in based on the c- amount they've raised and so, the and the traction they are in, this, the kind of customers they have. Right. Uh, how how fast is the B2B startup ecosystem evolving in comparison to B2C? So I think both are great in India. India, I think <coughs> what people, and I, I'll zoom out and I'll go a little yeah. macro. Yeah. Uh, I am... A very very optimistic about the Indian ecosystem. I think uh, we have reached a point where you know Silicon Valley was in the 1960s. Right. Today we've got that opportunity of B2C expansion and B2C, uh, B2B, uh, and unfortunately COVID hit us. But within this, we're seeing some great opportunities. B2B uh, for the first time we've seen an acceleration in few sectors, agri tech has been accelerated. The policies which had been lying under the table for five, six years have suddenly been pushed and moved into active policies so that entrepreneurs can start building a solution. We recently invested in an agri-tech company and it's doing great. Uh, education technology. I mean, since my VC circle days, I remember, you know, there were regulatory challenges from K to 12. Higher education, private equity funds were staying away from education technology. Suddenly, 2013-14, Baiju started you know, picking up. and uh, and But even then, it had not picked up momentum. COVID has kind of accelerated that. When our portfolio company called Norris, just from a client base of 500 in March, has grown to 5,900 or maybe 9,500, I think. That's the current number in just eight months. The need has certainly risen. Need has need has grown. I'm not, and we're not addressing the fact. Uh, I mean, not, we're not talking about the fatigue of sitting at home and all that is still there. If you give me an option of going out, stepping out, and working and meeting people, definitely. But as it is right now, people have gotten a lot more comfortable managing workforces. So, for, for instance, uh, IT industry, many companies have foregone of their lavish campuses permanently and asked their uh, uh, employees upwards of 1,000 to work permanently from home. Now, that is a huge workforce, right? Within that, collaborative tools of managing performance on an hourly basis, uh, monitoring the progress on each project, those kind of tools have really picked up, which were there but had never picked up pace, right? So that opportunity has come through in many sectors, and those sectors being education technology, agri-tech, online collaborative SaaS platforms, uh, B2B SaaS in general has been accelerated. For the first time, a lot of large organizations who used to negate a lot of these solutions saying, everybody's in office, we don't care. We've got these people coming in, checking in. with that out of the window sure. and managing 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 people sitting at their respective homes, which is spread across India, how do you manage? How do you track? Uh, cybersecurity has picked up. With these folks sitting at home, using their home Wi-Fi, working on a very critical project, uh, how do I know that you know data is not going to be uh, scrapped by a virus? So cybersecurity for the first time has really accelerated. Right. So great, great time. Unfortunately, 
India has been impacted by COVID, but I, I think it's a blessing in disguise for so. It's many a blessing people. in disguise. It's a blessing in disguise, and it's a great. It's it's an opportunity for founders who wanted to build out something disruptive. Uh, it's it's just flattened the it's the level. I mean, it's become a level playing field for everyone right. and all developed countries, all developing nations. So that's why it makes it a very interesting point in 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 our in our lives is because what we do now will will definitely define what we are going to achieve over the next ten years. If we do nothing, become complacent. Uh, you know, that's the next defining point after, say, the early two thousands. Correct. Correct. Uh, Absolutely. Uh, you know, and 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 one of the last questions that I'm that I'm getting in uh, for you uh, as an investor: uh, How important are aspects like uh, the you know market share and competitiveness and 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 the addressable market uh while coming up with new products are they are they as relevant uh, as they used to be because because they are metrics that essentially get tracked uh, pitch to pitch uh, how much weightage do you give to such metrics see again depends on what type of investor you are so at at our stage we are we are looking at five things and 100x we're looking at the founding team, which is very, very critical because you know when you start out, things will never go uh, the way you plan it out to be. Uh, what will remain is the team, and if it's a great team, you'll sail through it. Uh, second is what market are you going after? Now, if you say if you're going after a pager market, then that's a dead, foregone industry, right? Yeah. And if you if you're going after something which is really coming up, let's say in terms of you know uh, automated IoT manufacturing units, which apparently Still is not being given into, but it has. It's, it's, it's time. It's it still needs that attention. I feel, you know, it's a great opportunity. People still don't seem to understand it. Well, so it really depends on the time you're trying to address. So we'll try and gauge uh, where the founders thinking uh, the opportunity to be in the next ten years. Third is your business model, or at least an attempt to monetize it, and how quickly can you continue to keep growing uh, through that business model. A fourth most critical is your moat and unfair advantage. You know, is it just another product which can be which has low entry barrier, or is this is this an IP driven product line uh, where you have an international or domestic patent, or it's really complex and by the time you build it out and then you acquire users, uh, they in itself you have a huge and, and you that that curve will have a huge entry barrier in itself because you it's a great product. Uh, or or is or is that missing completely? So moat or an unfair advantage is very important. And lastly, our ability to kind of uh, you know look at a twenty x return uh, okay. of sorts. Now, now this is what we look at at an early stage. But you, you, then there are pre series and series A investors who who look at you know I've I've just funded a company with five million. Uh, they had a certain base of ten thousand. What that expectation is that from ten thousand can they go to you know a crore and a half in a couple of months, right? And there, is it a function of launching newer products to get users on board? Or is it a function of pushing that one product? Depends on the stage of the company and depending on what product line they are in, right? So for instance, you know, you've got companies like Razorpay uh, and so many other companies which have, you know, recently been funded and their core objective now is to get as many customers and all. Acquisition, right? And is that a function of, Launching newer products, uh, completely internal strategy to them. But once you start getting funding beyond Series A, Series B, the, the core objective: how much of the market can you capture? And based on that, 
is that a function of products which will get to users or is it a function of XYZ which will get to users? Eventually, it will boil down to that. So it really depends on which type of investor you are. So at, for, our, for us, we are looking at these five parameters because, yeah. because these, are, these are companies which, which are typically at the minimal viable product. Right. Uh, and and that, that's what I'm addressing, like, a, like an MVP level. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Uh, we're getting into a more personal understanding of who you are and how you look at, say, business and opportunities around, right? Uh, just uh, from, a, from an understanding standpoint, you reflect back the past six months, uh, you've been at home. Right. Uh, In your day-to-day life, what is a new hobby or an interest area that you've picked up that's massively helped you today? So I've started spending a lot more time um, reading, which never used to happen. You know, uh, you know, able to complete certain books which were pending for a long time. Uh, So you're still a paperback person than uh, than someone who consumes online content. Paperback, hardcore. I, I need I need that uh, paperback book for sure. Right. I did try the Amazon Kindles of the world and all that, but um, uh, still a book person. So I think that experience is different. Um, uh, I started consuming a lot of content which I never used to otherwise in terms of OTT platforms. Uh, um, a lot of uh, a lot of came across a lot of podcasts. Uh, I was never. It's another industry which is picking up podcasts, right? And that's ha- that's picking up because data is becoming cheap. Now I can now start using uh, data on my phone. So podcasts, I never paid attention to. I used to, and I used to drive. Uh, but sometimes I think uh, now I started looking at certain podcasts. So I think I think from that perspective, you know, giving more time um, to these, I think reading is one bit. Uh, then you know, spending time with my three and a three year old son, you know, so that, that takes bulk of my free yeah. time. Yeah. That's, that's, that's been the case for the last six months. Would you, would you recommend uh, any top podcasts that you regularly listen to? Yeah. I mean, I, I think from an uh, information perspective, I really like the A16Z podcast. Um, they are very aggressive in terms of the topics they pick up. Yeah. They're very, very topical uh, from across across, uh, you know, sectors, um, policy level regulation. Uh, so i whenever I do get a chance, I do, I do try and, uh, get a, get a understanding of the podcast they, and they're quite frequent in their, sure. uh, and the other podcast I think around uh, so, you know, I did, I used to do a bunch of angel investments. So a few podcasts around angel investments is what I picked up earlier. Uh, it's always good to go back to basics. So, Keep, keep doing that. But yeah, besides that, I think that that's that's it for now. Right. If there was if there was one advice that you could give to the 18-year-old you in hindsight, what would that be like? Ah, invest early on, man. I, you think so? Yeah, yeah, invest early on. I mean, if I had the opportunity of, you know, uh, going back uh, to when I was 18, I will try and identify opportunities which were which are now big, which were just getting started. I think what make my trip 1998, maybe, uh, or maybe maybe a little later than that. Uh, in Mobi in the mid 2000s, I, I mean it's just a huge opportunity. So yeah, only advice invest start investing early. I keep advising folks these days also. I think it's a great investment asset class which is now picking up popularity, um, and that would be my advice to my youngest and with early stage investors. 
and with early stage investors also with other investors who've been typically investing in real estate as an asset class you know absolutely uh, that that uh, it's picking up momentum and uh, i think it's uh, it needs fair it's you know attention uh, it's it's very interesting uh, asset to look at right now. is there uh, one company or startup uh, at a global scale that you often quote and give examples around ah uh, there there's not one there many Sure. Uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, now that you've asked me this question, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll talk about a more recent one. You know, when Quibi launched, uh, Meg Whitman, uh, ex-CEO of HP uh, right. and, and the, uh, with the other co-founder, I, I, uh, I questioned the opportunity, but I was very excited. I mean, this is going to go big. Uh, it's got big money behind it. Uh, Meg Whitman's there. Uh, and for to now within six months they are announcing bankruptcy and shutting it off right uh, there are many many companies like this which started uh, which were great um, great opportunity right it boils down to and, and then nobody realized that you know covid will have an, such a deep impact right like uh, you could factor in such contingencies right, right. so uh, like airbnb is a great company right uh, i love it Uh, had you asked me this question last year yeah airbnb is great today again i would say it's a great company but is it doing well certainly not it's been impacted by this situation where the business model crumbled so there are many companies in the startup ecosystem which have very vivid different models they are relevant in one situation they could not be relevant in different uh, situation uh, does it mean that they're bad no does it mean they're uh, excellent no it's just that they A, a company's job is to uh, fill in a need and a requirement, and if they can do that for uh, you know at least ten years, I think they've lived their life. Because right. every ten years, you'll see cyclical changes in economies, right? So, so from that perspective, I think uh, you know I have a huge respect for entrepreneurs and startups <laughs> attempting to build out these solutions. Because I think being an investor is an easy job. Sure, being an entrepreneur is the most challenging job, right? And I'm glad you see it that way. yeah you know i just and just having the privilege of interacting with so many founders and then being able, and they giving us the opportunity again the mindset right uh, entrepreneurs giving us the opportunity to back them rather than you know they coming and seeking investors out i think that mindset has to change in india and and i think we guys are just truly amazed and uh, i'm glad that in 29 companies gave us the opportunity to be part of their journey uh, and uh, and some of them are doing exceptionally well so Uh, so, you know, huge, huge respect, and I've been on the other side. It's right. not easy. I was just going to say that you've seen the other side of the spectrum as well. It's not easy because you know things never go the way you plan it. Uh, every day is a new day, uh, and it can go either way, either way. So, so it's it's so definitely when you ask me, that, are there any you know companies with standout? There are many. I think everybody is doing the war is the same. The battle every day is the same. it's just different products which you're pushing out in the market different services you're pushing out in the market uh, and one industry can collapse overnight in a covid like situation but was it was it doing its uh, work properly yes uh, it's just unfortunate uh, and then there are companies which weren't doing anything or weren't able to push anything pre covid and are suddenly accelerating you got a chance to bounce back so it's it's again cyclical either way you know huge respect for entrepreneurs Great, Shijang. This has been amazing. Uh, your thoughts are very, very radically different, and I think uh, there's lots to learn from them. So, thank you so much for being a part of this. Uh, thanks, Saksham, for giving me the opportunity. And uh, you know, uh, was was fun interacting with you. And you know, look forward to supporting uh, you know joint initiatives and synergies.